Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. And, and our we, special guest. We have a special guest today. We do. Woo! This is the second time. <laughs> this, is, this is the second time we've had another head. Yes. So besides like, you know, big head and bigger head or yeah. bigger head and big yeah. head. Be careful now. Yeah. No, we, have a right, we have a properly sized head. There you go. Head. There you go. A perfectly sized head. A perfect cranium joining us. We have we are lucky to have Trisha Broderick talking with us today. Could you say hi to folks? Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thanks. I'm, I'm although now I'm kind of torn. I really kind of wish I'd been the first one to join in, but maybe maybe it's good to be the second. Well, too, did you so. want to be here at seven thirty this morning? No, no. I did not want to yeah. be here it at seven thirty. It was ugly. Let me tell you, it was it was not pretty. The time was not pretty. You chose wisely. I chose wisely. Got yes, it. Good. Good. Did. Good. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, so can you just tell us a little bit about the talks you're giving and the general topics you're covering? Um, for this conference yeah. in specific? Uh, so this conference, uh, I focused in uh, specifically on conflict resolution, but from a different angle. So I go to a lot of conferences, I, I'm active in this community, and you go to many of them like crucial conversations, like how to have a crucial conversation, right? How to have these conflicts. But as a leader, as a manager, I could point people to these books. I could point them to these like frameworks and, and these approaches. But my problem was is they didn't even care. They didn't want to hear about even the framework. Like they didn't want to have the conflict. Period. Right. So I really had to change up my approach, my style, to really not just say here's how to have conflict resolution, but here's why you want to have conflict resolution. You know why and make get them to want to own actually resolving conflict instead of me playing moderator, instead of me facilitating, instead of me trying to force it down their throats, right. but actually get them, invoke their curiosity to want to have the conflict, to where it's no longer about conflict resolutions, it's just problem solving. Right. And, um, and so today's session is actually about how I've discovered that. And, and how the tool works and why it worked and what you may be able to do with leveraging it so that as a leader, you don't own the conflict resolution. You help others. Okay, I like that. So, but you, so you don't own it, so you help others. So move it from conflict to problem resolution. Yes. Or even detection. So maybe if there's, if there's folks avoiding it, so would it be like conflict detection and then conflict resolution as well? Absolutely. Okay. It's, it's about... Um, it's about taking it away from conflict, truthfully. That's what it's, I was actually thinking right. while you were talking about it. The word yeah, it's sets almost, the wrong context. Exactly. It puts people on the defense, right? And then there are people who yeah, don't want to have I'm conflict. Yeah, like, because I like, think you're attacking me now. And Correct. I, and I'm like backing off. I don't know. They're out of here, right? I know. And, 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 and for me, who highly enjoys conflict, it was really hard. It's like, just go have the conversation. Exactly. Right? Like, I'm like, what's the problem? Suck up. You know? Right. Like, you know? Like, come on. Go for it. And obviously that tactic doesn't work for people, especially very introverted people or people who just have past that. Conflict brings up a lot of things for them. Yep. So taking it away from the essence of conflict that actually saying maybe it's not conflict at all. Maybe it's interpretation, maybe it's perception yep. versus intention, right? And then they're taking at it and looking at it as no longer like it's gonna, who's gonna win this? But why did you do that? Like, yep. why did you hurt me like that? Or why would you do that? And they're, you know, we're, we're, we work with awesome, smart engineers, right? Yep. Engage their problem solving yes. desire, engage that yep. curiosity, help them look at it from a different perspective. And so take it away from this, like, you gotta get better at resolving conflict to, you're a problem solver already, I'm just helping you figure out and frame the problem. Yep. 
you've just helped me a little bit because I've been one. I'm introverted. And I think you're extroverted. I think. You think. You I think. think. <laughs> and, and I'm introverted. But I've been doing these suck it up, just attack the. And that hasn't been working it for me. It doesn't work. I mean, it sort of works, but it sort of doesn't. It leaves you wanting, right? With, with our population of folks. Yeah, I had a guy, um, and I love him to pieces. He's a he's a he was a former developer of mine, and he he would wear a bracelet that was like a reminder to him to like suck it up and have conflict but you could feel the stress on him yeah, like exactly. every time and, <laughs> and he's like Trisha I know why I should do it I know that it's the right thing to do I know that it's probably going to work out I know everything you're telling me is 100% true and yet the minute that I know I have to confront somebody about something I'm like wanting to go to the bar like I I just want oh, yeah. to do anything but I'm that I'm or I want to leave or whatever yeah and that wasn't something I could relate very well to. Um, so my answer initially was to quickly kind of say, well, let me moderate it. I'll help you both talk through it. Like right. I had once um, a, a designer and, or no, a, a subject matter expert, business analyst, right? And a project manager. And they started just going at each other on email. Then at about the fourth email in, they're like, well, he said, I can't believe he said that to me. So they start copying me on the emails, right, <laughs> as their manager. And I get back to my desk, and I look at my inbox, and there is probably, like, you know, the what you can see in the scroll yeah. bar, yeah. like, full of, like, this person, then that person, you know, Jerry, then Bruce, then Jerry, then Bruce, right? And I open up the last one, and now at this point, it's it's completely unprofessional. I mean, yeah. there's no, like, they're not pulling punches at all, and I'm like, in my office now! <laughs> like, and I moderated their yeah. conflict, right? And yeah. it, it always stems from something stupid, it's, it's usually not, it, it's blown up. And for a long time, that became my go-to way. Like, I can help you see from different perspectives. What I didn't understand at that time was I was still owning the conflict. Exactly. So I was owning how to resolve that conflict. And that became my go-to way of resolving conflict instead of getting people to realize it doesn't have to be conflict. Right. It's just something you have to work on as a team. And, and that's where this tool that I kind of fell into because right. I went to an Agile conference and I saw Derek Wade present mm -hmm. and he was presenting and he was actually applying this tool in a different format and I went, I wonder if this would work. And so I like tweaked it, applied it to these concepts and then, and lo and behold, I watched somebody like go, oh, so he probably didn't do it because of that. I wonder why he did do it, you know, like, and, and he yep. engaged, right? And so that's what today's talk is about, is actually sharing that story of how that worked and then giving them hopefully a tool that they can yep. use to ask questions for other people so that they can see it for themselves too. I think there is this tendency, I think, for leaders in Agile, well, in any context, but to take over ownership of things sometimes. I was talking to a, someone here yesterday they had a personnel problem, and it was like, how do I, as a leader in an Agile context, when I know I have a personnel issue, you know, do I leave it to the team to figure it out, and do I ignore it, or do I do, do, I do a personal, you know, like a PIP? Right. Do I do a PIP? And then we went down, we talked about PIPs in Agile context a little bit, where like, like there is a role for leaders. I don't think you just let the team, I mean, if you have a real issue, like let's say you have, you know, you know sort of a murderer in the team, I don't think you let the team, I don't think you let the team. <laughs> or it could not work out so well. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's bodies laying around, right? What the team, it was a self-directed well, team. Was, yeah, While they, they were alive, they were self-directed, right? They just didn't know what to do. Yeah, because so many teams are self-directed, right? right? Yeah. And, uh, he, and he was struggling. He was struggling with, well, 
you know, how do I, it's soft skills. You say, how do I improve that? And, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to frame it. I don't know how to tell them what to do. And I'm like, well, part of the, it's like, have that per partner with that person. So it's not your, it's, it's not necessarily your job to figure out how to measure everything and how to, you know, how to set the stage. It's, it's their performance, partner with them, have them set the stage with what, you know, are they self-aware? What, what are their what, they, what are their weaknesses and how week by week or whatever the measurement period is have them give you attainable goals have them ask you to help and he was and he was looking at it as like I have to set the, I have to write everything I have to measure everything I have to set the stage well, uh, and, and it was like I don't know what to do and I'm like no. you're guaranteed to have that person not come off the pip if you set the stage for them exactly right? um, now to be fair though I've only ever put one person on a pip and had them come off mm -hmm. Like, I mean, unfortunately, the reality is, is at that stage, you're almost giving right. that, like, here's right. this final wake-up call, it's your choice, but if you're getting to that point, Correct. most, nine out of ten times, it's almost even better for that person themselves, because it's really hard to come back from trust after that. It's really hard, not just with the manager, but the team and with the company, yep. I mean, yep. as much for that individual as the, as the team for that, you know, for that person, right? Um, I've only had one instance, and I'm super proud, like, and I watch him now, and he's just, he's flourishing, right? Like, he was a guy that would only work in one, he had code territory, he didn't let anybody touch, right? And didn't work in the team, and really struggled, and, and we we did a pip and, and I wish I could tell you this magical thing that I said at one moment in our things but really he just took ownership flat out he took ownership he made the decision to push himself out of his comfort zone he made the decision to try things and like within a couple you know within a I don't remember the length but he was off the pip he no longer works in that code base anymore he actually does a whole new technology he's fully integrated in with yep. the team he's yep. happy right like he's doing things that yep. I, he didn't even think was possible before, right? But that's unfortunately not always common. See, but, I've had the different ratio. I've had oh, really? more succeed, but it's the same story that you said. It's that person taking. If they per, take the ownership, yeah, they've got to take the ownership themselves. Right. It's. I mean, it's. I take no credit in those situations. It's about that person reacting. Now, what am, what are we doing? As leaders, we're giving them feedback, right? And we're giving them constructive guidance and, and honesty, and right? high fiving them when they're right. making progress. Support. Yeah. Um. And and maybe some of that. I I'm a, I will fully. Admit Admit, as a leader I'm a slow person like it takes a lot to finally make me go that pip route like it I really yeah. Yeah. I have to like try and do absolutely yeah. everything I can before I finally get to that pip so in a lot of cases when I'm at that pip stage it is the final like yeah. you know I'm in my, the same boat yeah it's like if I'm there we've exhausted every possibility, possibility. Yeah. and this is your final chance to own it yeah. and I love if it works out I want it to work out um, but, but it doesn't too, but always happen were good I mean, I'll, I'll be bold. You two are good leaders. You give good feedback along the way. So, so by the time you get there, you've had so many congruent conversations yes. that it is. But what if you're a leader that has had almost zero congruent conversations, and then you have those? You start, let's say, you start having some of them, and it's like you have these aha moments with with someone. I, I took. A, uh, I remember a test leader. I uh, I was leading years ago, and no one had ever given her congruent feedback, and she was domineering in meetings, and uh, she had great domain experience, but she was pissing off developers, etc. And it was just, it was creating this yeah, mess. I, I, and when I confronted her with it, 
she, she was not totally un- she was not self-aware, and no one in 20 years had ever, ever said anything. had ever given her that feedback, and she turned it around. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I, I didn't say this to her, but I was like, you know, I was thinking to myself, holy crap, what 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 could she have done, done. in the organization if, like, in year one, someone had had to cut, invested in her? Yeah, yeah the, given her the, the uh, frustrating thing is that we all push agile and we want to do agile building a product, and I try and take agile into HR stuff. Like, don't don't try and fix a big problem all at once. Chunk it up and do little things. Exactly. And have those little talks. Apply it in other areas. So HR, right? Like I treat it the same way. We have little sprints with each person. Where with the one-on-one, it's a retrospective and a planning. We talked about what went well, what didn't, and then what we're going to do this next month or week or whatever it is to try and get better. So we do that same thing. It gets frustrating. We focus on agile, just like from software, but yet with the people side. We don't do that. Right? So I'm I'm kind of the opposite. Where I, in a lot of ways, and I, I think I mentioned this Bob last year when when we talked, but I it was my transformation from going. I am totally focused on customer delivery, and my team is my means of getting customer delivery. Right. To I am totally focused on team growth and satisfaction, and they are responsible for customer delivery. Right. And that change in perspective that. That adjustment to where my primary responsibility as, you know, at the time, you know, a director of development or a project manager, right, is going, how are they growing? How are they learning? How are they trusting themselves more and more? Because that's when I can stop saying, gosh, I wish I could clone you, right? right? Like, and instead, I, they're, they're surprised what they can handle. We started... Um, Doing feedback, doing. Um, I'm a. I'm actually a big fan of 360 feedback. I am not a fan of anonymous 360 feedback. I'm a big fan of 360 feedback, and but I'm also a fan of realizing it takes slow steps to learn how to give feedback, how to receive feedback, how to understand the intent of feedback. And um, I learned from. Oh, I'm going to blank on the name right now, but I was in the leadership summit last year. Maybe you can help me with the name. Where she said, when you hear the words. Um, when you hear the words, can I give you feedback, it triggers the same part of your brain as seeing the uh, seeing a bear in the woods. Who was, um, oh, I forget. I forget um, you I, you I can see her face. I, no, like, yes, I could totally yes, see your face. And yes. I, I'm totally blanking. But she said it at the leadership summit last year. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's pretty accurate, right? right. Like, it, it terrifies people. Yeah. But the interesting part is we started doing it so much. And the more you actually help someone give it to someone else, right? Like they start realizing their good intent when they're giving the feedback that when they start giving somebody else and we did this for a while and then people were like, Trisha, can we just give it directly? I'm like, yes, yes. right? Like, yes. And, yeah. and, um, and, and then it got to a point where like, when I'm not getting feedback, I'm uncomfortable, right? Right? Like I just expect that. Like I'm expecting at the end of a meeting that you're watching, that you're going to tell me yeah. some good things I did and some things that I need to improve. And, and it's a, it can be a positive, but if you're not focused in on it, I don't think you can truly get that product delivery without it. Yeah, no, you can't. I would, I would agree. We brought in crucial, it was not totally crucial conversations, but it was crucial conversations based at eye contact, a company I worked at for like three years as an intern. I actually met um, somebody from that company a number of years ago. And we, we brought that in to help the teams. The feedback we got in retrospectives was feedback, it's like the bear, I'm right. frozen, it scares the crap out of me at, at a team basis, and it does. I mean, it scares everyone, but we wanted, but there was feedback to be given, and we started, and we're like, well, maybe it's a training, maybe training will help, and we brought in, we ran some 
scenarios and folks like don't like role plays but we did some role plays etc and practiced and it was it was situational we, we they actually uh, the instructors who put the course together asked us for some real world situations that we could practice things that we saw and it really helped us it pushed it to our pushed it down to the team if you will and empowered the team to do better have better conversations it took time a little time yeah. to activate it but. so I found that even more than the role playing I think the one you know Everybody thinks of managers in a lot of ways as like, oh, they, they don't care, right? Like, they're just going to give us, as they look. like, they're yeah. immune to it. But the reality is a lot of managers, they don't know how to give the feedback any, like, exactly. better, right? Exactly. Like, they, exactly. there's not been good training. And, I, and, and it's so much more about the connection than yes. it really is even about what feedback you're giving, right? Yes. You have to make the feedback relatable. You yeah. In a lot of cases, half the time I can give someone else feedback because I've done that. Right, like, <laughs> I I can yeah. see it because I've been there, right? right? And and so I actually started um, when I was the director of development when my team was giving what project managers and development managers were giving their reviews and their feedback to, to their members, I would pick one and I would sit in on it. And at first people were a little nervous, like, why is Trisha sitting in on ours? But actually, it, you know, in cases where I could help them, right? Like I, we had somebody that was really new to it and struggled. And like the minute I knew something came out of his mouth, right? Yep. I knew how she was going to react and I could just step in right in that moment and be like, okay, here's, and and it wasn't, he was grateful for it because he was like, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Like it's one thing to hear a crucial conversation, but to actually do it in no, the moment. No, I, I resonate with, I would get invited like that. So we would pick some and also at some point, so if you were in trust as a leader, I had managers then who would invite me. Yes. And for help. And I love that because you're asking, you're pulling it in, you're asking. You're giving for help. real life mentoring. feedback and coaching fly, and mentoring on the fly. And it's mentoring yes. and you're so you're also it's a twofer. You're doing the mentoring, but you're also getting that effective feedback in where it's necessary. Yeah. And I can see really what they're doing and how they're relating, right? Yeah. And um, and we did it a little randomly in terms of it was kind of based on schedule, who I would go to. And then there were other times that it wasn't as random, right? Like I yeah. want you know, they did have to have have a difficult conversation and I needed to make sure yep. they were learning right and then there were others and um, and and I ended up finding you know some of the, the you know the developers and designers that were in there they were like why is she in here but again we just kept it reiterating I am here to watch my manager not this isn't anything yep. to do with you I want to make sure he or she is doing the best job for you and the way that I can do that is by sitting in here and observing it's, and it's um, being engaged with it and so you know initially it was a little uncomfortable but afterwards it was just like nope we just expect it and we we want it right when you look at the end goal it's all about the feedback it's are we getting this most are we having the most effective conversation we can have right and it's about to you said get the team is driving the results and we're tightening the team to drive the results and sometimes it's the individual yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That leads into, uh, we'll switch gears a little bit. Uh, I talk about what do, you, what do you think keys to agile, le and I'll say agile leadership, it could be general leadership. I know there's some blending, but what are your, if you had a, in your personal you know, experience, what are like the top three things if you're hiring a director, your VP of development or whatever, and you're hiring a director, what do you think the real keys are? We may have touched on some, some of, of them. Yeah. yeah, but what do you think your keys are? <laughs> I really wish I was always that you know, succinct, right? Where I could just say these three things. But um, I... We'll take five. We'll, <laughs> we'll take one. The number doesn't um, matter. I So one of my favorite things that I like calling out and highlighting to people and, and realizing and I, um, is I hate the saying, it's business, it's not personal. Um, I don't spend this amount of time 
I'm not this passionate about something for it not to be personal. And I think in a lot of ways, we've taken so much personal yeah. for fear of lawsuits, for fear of offending, for fear. And all of those are, you know, there for a reason, right? But the problem is, is the only way you get to performing, the only way you innovate, the only way you can get to those levels is by truly connecting with people. When you can help someone before they have to ask, when you can help drive somebody because and they know why you're doing it, right? And the only way you do that is by investing and being personal with people and knowing them. Now, I'm not saying as the manager you need to be best friends, right? Like if you have a crappy day, you should not be calling one of your direct reports and going, oh, you will not believe the day I just had, right? Like there are definitely boundaries that you have to set in order to be objective. That said, I really do hope that anybody that has reported to me feels that I truly invested in them. Not just as the developer, not just as the designer, but as the person, right? Like, I think the times that I'm most proud of are, you know, I had a designer once that she witnessed an incredibly traumatic event. And I was able to be there for her, right? Like, I, I've never been part of that type of a trauma before, but I've had my own traumatic events, right? But I didn't care if this was something. She just sat in my office and cried for an afternoon. I sent her home. Like, we went and had ice cream, and then I sent her home, right? But then I just connected with her personally. Right. That that time that you take to do that is worth every minute. Yep. Like, um, people used to say, well, when do you get your real job done? My real job is talking. My real job as a leader is connecting is talking with people and I think in terms of leadership we get so focused on that product delivery we get so focused on the client satisfaction which is important but then we own it right. and and if you really want to be a great leader you focus on the people and the people focus on that I, I couldn't and, agree with you more it's uh, those relationships and, and, and you know legalities uh, you know management training we, there is this you line, need to know. There is this line of separation that you were talking about, but I think we take that separation too seriously. And it is a, it is a people game. It's a personal game. It's a relationship building game to some. And I think there are realities. Like um, there are times that we, as managers and as leaders, as executives, as different levels, right, have to do things that are super unpleasant. Mm -hmm. We absolutely do, and we have this weight from that. I don't care. Telling someone when you have to lay them off, it's not personal, is solely for your benefit, not for them. It is absolutely 100% personal for them. And you are just worrying about yourself there and not them. And, and I think we hide behind that because we do get faced with difficult challenges. And, and they're not always relatable. Like, um, I had a kind of a, an awakening moment a little bit when, so one of my first jobs, I left. And I left the job because I was being typecasted. Um, I, I wanted out of a certain type of application development and because I was quote unquote good at it, um, I needed to do what was best for the company, not what was best for me. And, and you know what, your 23-year-old self, 24-year-old self is really not right. about that, right? Yeah. And um, a partner of the company called me into his office and he just destroyed me like I mean this 24 year old girl right like just sitting there and he's like you're making the worst mistake you're gonna go to the small company and they're not gonna they're gonna lay you off and then what are you gonna do you're not gonna be able to support. I mean he it was over the top 
Like, and it's, it's been, I don't even know how many years, I still can physically remember the feeling I had in his office, right? And he's like, and I remember one of my complaints was we were working on a project that we were allowed to have, like, something like 30 bucks. And for me, as a new developer, I was like, if I know there's a defect, I want to fix it. Like, and he's like, well, we're paid to build Chevys, not Cadillacs. And I'm like, I don't know cars, but I'm pretty sure I'm still not, then I'm going to go find my Cadillac, right? I wanted to be the best of the best in development, right? Like I didn't want to be good enough because that's what the client was paying for. And years later, I um, became an executive myself, right? And I could actually start to kind of see and go, okay, maybe I understand he was panicking because people, good people were right. leaving his company, right? right? He was panicking because he was maybe dealing with cash flow issues, right? And, and um, different things that are going on with client satisfaction, things like that. But those were his issues. They weren't mine as a developer. As a developer, as most people, right, we want purpose, mastery, and autonomy. I'm a big fan, so maybe the second part of that is Daniel Pink's work. I, I'm really a big fan of Drive and, and understanding that as a leadership team, if you are not giving people those three things, yep. you are not motivating them. You are not going to get the results you want, right? And so for me, I wasn't getting purpose, I wasn't getting autonomy, and I certainly wasn't getting mastery anymore because right. I was being typecasted, right? But I could later understand what stresses he was undergoing. But the problem was is you can't push them on to other people. Right. You can't. I didn't know what he was saying. I left that room going, I am so glad I am leaving. Right? Yeah. Like, not at all going, right. I feel bad about it. Right? right. The, sap, the thing is, I still would recommend people to go to that company. I, th I think it was a great learning yeah. environment, especially in consulting. I think they did a great thing. Yeah. But that one partner leader who was stressing about the fact that good people were leaving and took it out on me yeah. his all of his points were lost you know it took me you know 20 you know 15 years later for me to go oh maybe that's why he was like he did that i'm still not okay with that right yeah. but like but we sometimes feel so much accountability and weight but we have to remember no one understands what that's like and it's it's our weight to bear not to project that onto other people. That said, on the opposite side, I gotta tell you, I absolutely hate walking into conference rooms or conference sessions and hearing the Dilbert-esque bashing of executives and managers too. Um, this industry is about growth. It's about, you know, this movement is about growth. It's about learning. It's about value, right? Except if you're a manager and executive, you're not supposed to learn. You're supposed to already know everything, right? Like, and, and, and for me, if you get an executive sitting in that room, do they want to come back? Probably not, right? You, you've put up their walls, um, and and that's not going to help the community. It's not going to help I our results. I think in our community, I talk sometimes about more. You know, we've marginalized, we demonize, we Gilbertize leadership way too much, and and when we should be building bridges to leadership. Right. And we've gotten into this habit. I don't know where it come I, where it comes from, but we I would hope we could stop it because we need that. We need leadership. We, we cannot independently, it's not them and us, we right. can independently right. deliver. I agree. And, and there are really bad managers. There are. Absolutely. And there Absolutely. are bad developers. And, and there are bad developers. And we don't demonize But in a lot of cases, I mean, and, and this was the talk that I gave at the Agile conference last year, and it ended up, I mean, it was pretty much therapy in a lot of cases, but it was me owning, like, if you had asked me if I was command and control, I would have adamantly told you I was not. But my behaviors, my personality type, screened that I was but I that was never my intention but it took people it took some trust 
it took building of that leaps of faith, right? Like exposure to these sessions and having Lisa Atkins go, if you're, if you're a good leader, this is what your resume looks like. And she held up a blank sheet of paper for me to go, wow, that's a completely different way of thinking yeah. than I have been driven my entire life. So I shared why that was, you know, what had driven. And then all of a sudden, here I had built this reputation of being dependable, reliable, right? Like, get things done, high quality. And now I'm supposed to just turn that over to everybody else? You're kidding me, right? Like, like forget it. Like, that's too big of a leap. And so in a lot of cases, I say, even if you have that command and control manager, this isn't much of a journey for that. Absolutely. And you have... It takes strength on your end to not just dilbertize them, but to go, hey, this is how this is making me feel. You know, what can we do? What can be different boundaries with it? And and helping them go through it. And um, because, like you said, we'll help train them and coach them. I spend. You can coach up. <laughs> you coach up. You coach up, or or whoever's up, coach down, or coach middle, uh, but coach them. I mean, imagine we marginalize them, or we fire them, or we whatever. That's not fair. We we don't want to treat the teams that way. Yeah. Uh, you said something about people. I mean, it resonated to me. I think we. I've talked to you once about it. You know, the technology changes so much that I'm convinced the stuff I worked on 20, 25 years ago doesn't even exist. It's all obsolete. It's, it's all obsolete. <laughs> no one cares about it anymore. So what I was, what I bled. You know, I got divorced. I bled blood. I worked overtime. Right. It doesn't. It didn't matter. The thing that matters to me is the relationships and the people. So I really. This may sound. It's not counter to business from my point of view, but to me. The thing that I'm always trying to do is grow the team. I'm always trying to grow people. To, I'm resonating with what you're saying. It's about those relationships. It's about people. Uh, it's even I've rehired folks. I've terminated in one role to another, to another at another company. Yeah. It's and and we've had we've had respect and, and it's worked out very well from that point of view. It's all about that treating the people well. I think has then driven the business and so, driven me. Someone asked me why I don't code anymore, and and they're like, don't you love it? And I was like, I do. I love, you know, it was the first thing in my life that I felt good at, right? Like yep. truly, like, like I remember, you know, my first program in app in, in Pascal where we were writing a bowling app, right? I was done, and people were like, I don't know how to start, and I was like, oh, you know, I might actually have, like yep. this might be something that just makes sense for me. Yep. The logical binary aspects just clicked for me. And I loved, I loved when I would get something working, like, you know, it was, it was pure enjoyment for me. It is nothing in comparison to the rewards I feel now as a true leader and not as a developer. Like, for me, personally, when I get a text from somebody, and actually I shared it, I think yes. it happened at November. It, ha it happened, and, and you showed it, yes. And I showed it to him. Um, in November, I had left my previous company, it had been over six months, and I got a text from one of the project managers that said, thanks for a great one-on-one -on -one this morning. And I was like, what? And I was like, what? And, and, I, and, I, and I'm sitting there, and now somebody's talking, but I'm totally confused, right? And I, I opened it up, and he was like, I started writing you an email and complaining, and I just looked at your face, and I knew, I could see your face, and I knew what you would tell me, and I knew how you would challenge me, and I knew what the right answer was. I just didn't want to face it, so thank you again. And it was... You coached me when you didn't even know I, you were coaching correct. <laughs> Like, I have truly made a difference and, and as corny as that sounds and is like I can't believe I've become that person right like I almost like I'm like the binary logical person like the software developer even extroverted or right not or not but that I know that there are people that I have made not just a career difference for but a personal difference for yeah. I no line of code can ever do that for me now 
and I can't go back. Like it's 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 just not even in the realm of possibility. Like I know that my purpose is to help make things better, um, help make lives better. And I choose because my passion is in software development to stay in this industry because ultimately I want to make it better for developers coming up, right? Yeah. Like I am completely still love this craft. But my love now, my drive is not from hearing that client go, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. You coded the best thing. But right. It's like, yeah. But to hear from a designer the other day that, you know, we were talking and we were talking about people who have, compl you know, changed our lives and impacted our lives and we thought you should know you were one of them. And it's like that for me, no line of code ever did. That's what resonated would be mad. That's what resonated with me because I think we were very, we're very like-minded that way. That's what's been floating my boat for 25 or 30 years, is hearing those. And you don't get much of them, but you I don't, don't get but it. I don't need much of them. Right. It's it's I just need yeah. Every once in a while, you get this sort of revelation moment. Uh, LinkedIn has helped me. I get recommendations on LinkedIn, and everyone they don't matter. They're personal to me, and they they I don't care if anyone reads them. They're, right. I get personal recommendations. That they went out of their way to put it there. Put for it in you. there, and they're personal to me. Bob, Bob made a difference in my life or in my career. That's the thing. That that's why I do what I yeah. do. And, and I think that resonates so well with Agile. I mean, you, you have that management style. You've been quiet, but you, you, I think you have. You resonate with that. It's about it's about the people, stupid. It's about yeah, I mean, the impact you, we you, have. you never remember the object you wrote or the class you wrote, <laughs> but you remember that right. person sitting next to you and all the times and when it got yeah. hard. Yeah, and you worked together and you solved that problem together. You don't remember the code. I think, I think actually, when we hit leadership, we're talking about something so often. I think this is leadership from my point of view. Yeah. This is, and I think it's rare. I think it's a rare philosophy or a rare attribute. I think it takes someone who, it, it's a rare transition to make the, the, the point you made. It's about me. Because it's vulnerable. It's you weird. have to be extremely vulnerable yeah. to make that transition. Yes. I, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, but it's a key, and it resonates so well. And, and if you want a metric, to me, and we've talked around it, but it's just to me the metric. If you want to know if you're if you've achieved it, it comes from what you're hearing from your people. It's not from what you're, from my point of view, what your boss is saying or what your clients are saying. I mean, results. All of those things are secondary metric. To me, the key metric is what are you hearing from your folks. And if you're not hearing anything from folks, then you have some you have some room. To I always joke that if you have to say I have an open door policy, you don't. Exactly. Like, like exactly. you know how you know if you have an open door policy? People use it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. So, what are you? How are we doing on time? Time doesn't matter, Bob. We're at a conference in Vegas. I, I know. Time well, there's is, tables calling for yeah, us. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, is, there, there are. There, is there that. are tables. Yeah. Uh, how, so, do you want We could talk about other topics, but I feel like this is maybe a nice place yeah. to, to break. We've done well. I think we've done well. I want to. I want to thank our our special guest. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, well. Thank you. Oh, I see. Thank you for. Thank you for. Thank you. This was wonderful. I do this anytime. Yeah. And you were you okay. were fantastic. I love the sharing. I love. I love yeah. working. Be careful what you say. Is that what's going? <laughs> Your head exactly. right now. Yeah. <laughs> and we maybe can do a remote. We could maybe do a virtual one yeah. sometimes. So, Metacasters, we have a special guest, Trisha. Thank you so much for spending the time. Thank great, you. This is great, great discussions. Uh, Josh. Yes, sir. From beautiful, beautiful downtown. Uh, from the strip. Caesar's we Palace. <laughs> the strip. Yeah. Uh, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Bye, y'all.